members of Good Shepherd Congregation, family and friends that have gathered here together this morning, but especially to you, Ruth and Mildred, brothers and sisters, grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's, it's over 40 years now since comedian George Carlin gave one of his most famous comedy routines on Saturday Night Live. You know George Carlin, great comedian, made fun of everything. Whether it was something caught in your teeth, the difference between baseball and football, different radio announcers, even Canada and Mexico. George Carlin made fun of everything. But on this particular night, he took on a topic and a subject that he had never done before. He decided to make fun of God. And as he did so, there was laughter, but it was kind of a nervous laughter. This is funny, but should we really laugh? This is funny, but it's really not. And he closed his routine by saying, I don't know how God ever got such a good reputation. Everything he makes dies. And people laughed. But it's the strangest laughter that I have ever heard in my life. Today, we gather in God's house. And we don't know what to make of God. Maybe we too ought to mock and ridicule him. Maybe we come into God's house today full of anger and doubt and worry and fear. And perhaps mixed with all of that, no small amount of hopelessness. Found out that one of Zach's favorite songs, not really a song, it's kind of a talk, it's not really a talk, it's kind of a poem, it's not really a poem, it's supposed to be a prayer. This uh, Johnny Paycheck's Outlaw's Prayer, never heard it before, never heard it. So I listened. There's a lot of truth there. It's a good thing to point out hypocrisy and stereotypes in our world. 
I, I don't know personally of any church that has ever turned anybody away because of how they dress or what they look like, but I suppose it's possible. I suppose that may be true. But there was one thing in that outlaw's prayer that hit me right between the eyes. And it's the ending. The very ending where he says, this is paycheck signing off. I'll be seeing you, Lord. I hope. I hope. Not a lot of certainty there, is it? Not a lot of confidence there, is there? I hope. I hope. That's how we use the word hope, isn't it? I hope something will happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. For two months, it didn't rain. We hoped it would rain. Now for two and a half days, it's been raining. We hope for the sun to shine. That's kind of how it works, isn't it? You go to dictionary.com, and this is what it tells us Hope means the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Hope is a, a feeling. A feeling. We all know how our feelings work, right? Another definition from dictionary.com. To feel, there we go again, that something desired may happen. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I hope. My friends, that is not the message of God's Word. That is not the message of the Gospel. There is no maybe. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Because when God uses the word hope in His Word, and we've heard it multiple times today in our Bible readings and in our hymns, when God uses the word hope, it is a completely different meaning. It's not, eh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I hope for the best. No, not in any way, shape, or form. When God uses the word hope, it is a guaranteed outcome. You hear that? A guaranteed outcome. The only thing we don't know is exactly when it will happen. So God fills us with hope so that we cling to Him and His Word and His promises day in and day out. There is no maybe or if or would have been or should have been or could have been in the gospel, the true good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Biblical hope 
the hope that we've heard about here today, has a sure and certain foundation. A sure and certain foundation that will not crumble, that will not fade, that will not fall. But it is God's foundation for all eternity. Of that, you can be sure. When God created this world, He created it without sin. No pain, no suffering, no sorrow, no tears, no bad weather days, no bad hair days. Everything was perfect. And everything, including Adam and Eve, the crown jewel of his creation, was to live forever. Our God is a God of life, not a God of death. What happened? Well, Adam and Eve thought they had better words than the Lord God himself. They broke the command that God had given them, and they brought sin and all of its consequences crashing down on them, on the world, and on all who would follow, including every one of us. Sounds pretty dire. Sounds pretty hopeless. That's what Adam and Eve were. They were hopeless in their sin. But God would not leave them in their hopelessness. God came to them with a word. A word of power. A word of might. A word of hope. He said, one day when the time is right, I will send a Savior into this world. One who will crush the serpent's head once and for all. He will restore this broken world and this broken relationship between God and humanity. Adam and Eve believed that word of hope. And they passed on that word of hope to their children and grandchildren, generation after generation. People heard the message of hope. They believed the message of hope. But what happened all too often? The voices of this world, the temptation of Satan, and even our own sinful flesh tended to drown out that word or that message of hope. People once again thought they had better words than God. People went their own way. People worshipped false gods. And what did God do? He sent prophets to them to speak to them the word of God, to call them back, to call them back to the word of God, to give them hope, sure hope, not pipe dream kind of hope, not false hope, but real hope in the Savior who was to come. And as they gave that word of hope, they gave more details on how that hope would be carried out. This Savior would be a mighty king. This Savior would suffer and be a servant. This Savior would be born of a virgin. This Savior would be born in a little obscure town 
called Bethlehem. And when the time was right, when the time had fully come, God kept his word as he always does. He kept his word. He sent forth his son, his only son whom he loved, born of the Virgin Mary, who took our place under the harsh condemning law, who went all the way to the cross of Calvary, even though he had never sinned, not once, not ever, not in thought, word, or deed. He died the death we deserve. And three days later, he rose victorious over sin, death, and the grave, defeating Defeating our greatest enemy, the shroud that covers over all of us, death. My friends, this is the foundation of our hope. The perfect life, the obedient death, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus. God gives it away. He delivers the deliverance earned by Jesus in the waters of holy baptism. Every time you hear, speak, or sing his word, in the holy meal that he has established, bread and wine that are his body and blood, this is God delivering to us the forgiveness of sins, life, salvation, and most of all, hope. My friends, Sounds easy, doesn't it? Biblical hope. God says it. That settles it. We believe it. Sounds easy, but it's not. Those voices of the devil, the world, and even our own sinful flesh are very real. And very loud. The devil, the world, and our flesh are at war against the gift of hope that God has given to each one of us. It is a real war, a spiritual war, a war for your soul. My friends, we live in the midst of a battleground. And all too often, we don't realize it. And we don't see it. But it is real, nonetheless. In the midst of our life, Satan makes his claim on our soul. What do we listen to? The Word of God's hope, built on a solid foundation in Jesus Christ, or do we fall for the trap that we think we have better words than God himself? My friends, today we come here with heavy hearts. We come here with seemingly unanswerable questions. We come here and we remember Zach. Zach. Had great life. Welcome to the family, we heard before. Sung when people lovingly and caringly adopted him into the family. 
Welcome to the family when he was baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was always a hoot in confirmation class. He made everybody laugh. Even when we were talking about serious stuff. Sam was always quiet and serious. Zach would always make him laugh. And as he laughed, we all laughed. And we had a ball. As we studied the deep truths of God's Word together. There was one day, Zach wasn't laughing or joking. He was as serious as serious could be. And he wanted to have a little talk with his pastor. Probably the longest single discussion one-on-one -on -one that I ever had with him. Zach had a great life. But he was tormented that day. How could that be? In light, of, in light of everything that God had blessed him with? What kind of blessings? All of you knew him in different ways. Family says this. Zachary Daniel sang Eisenman, also known as Herman to his siblings, and Lottel to some of his friends, hope I pronounced that right, has been lost but never forgotten. He was a brave, loving, generous person whose infectious smile and laugh could make any situation lighter and brighter. He had a natural ability to work with those with developmental disabilities, always making sure they had the best quality of life and care. Zach's adventurous spirit drew him to motorcycles, tattoos, and piercings to express himself. He was a loyal and devoted friend who was always there when someone needed a helping hand or a shoulder to cry on. Zach enjoyed spending time fishing, cooking, going to WWE events, sorry, I don't even know what that means, and bonfires. He treasured his family vacations, like going to Fort Robinson and Truman Lake. Zach loved the movie El Dorado, so do I. John Wayne. Angie Dickinson, James Kahn, great movie. And Johnny Paycheck's song, Outlaw's Prayer. Zach was passionate about spending time with children, whether it was his friend's children who considered him an uncle, or his own nieces and nephews, all who adored him. Zach had an especially close bond with his niece, Maddie. Their time together always brought him happiness and filled his heart with joy. Zach was a hero to many for how he fought obstacles and challenges throughout his life. He was loved by many who will forever be impacted by the laughter and care he showed so generously. Ride, bully, ride. It's good life. Great memories. But Zach fought a battle every day. It was a battle that I was 
made aware of that one day after confirmation class. Zach had watched a movie, I don't know if it was with family or what. He had watched a movie and it had scared the bejeebers out of him. I believe it was something like the exorcism of Emily Rose. I'd never seen this side of it. He was almost in a panic. He realized, as we have been learning and studying, he realized for the first time, I believe, that evil exists. That there is evil in the world. And that these evil forces have their sights set on Christian souls. It was good talk. And I was able to point him to the sure and certain word of God. To the hope that he had in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We always had this, this little kind of wink back and forth after that day. I knew when he was having a good day and when he was not having such a good day. And we had a bond based on the Word of God. My friends, Zach fought a battle daily, and so do we. Abraham Lincoln called it melancholy. When I grew up, as I was growing up, it was a funk. Today, most people would say the word that characterizes that is depression. It's touched every one of us in some way, shape, or form. These last 19 or 20 months have made it even harder to overcome that melancholy or that funk. It's so easy to get down and to think that a particular situation has rendered us hopeless. Sometimes we can't hear the hope that God gives us. Sometimes our ears are plugged by other voices to the hope that God gives us. My friends, it's a terrible thing to lose hope. And it often, often has tragic consequences. In our gospel reading for today, we see what happens when people lose hope. The best friends of Jesus were Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were pals. They hung out together. Lazarus was sick. Jesus, come and help. Jesus didn't come. By the time Jesus got there, 
Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Can you imagine the hurt, the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, the hopelessness? So Jesus comes. Martha's very angry. Meets him out on the road. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's what happens sometimes when we're faced with a difficult situation. We get mad at God. Mary had a different approach. She isolated herself away from everyone. Jesus came to Mary and to Martha and for each one of us. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha says, yes, yes, yes. I know he'll rise again on the last day. But I hurt now. And then Jesus spoke these words. And if you haven't heard anything I've said to this point, these are the words to listen to. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? A little bit later, do you believe this, Mary? Do you believe this, family and friends? Martha's bold confession, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. These words that seem so crazy that though someone would die, they would live forever in and through Jesus Christ, she believed those words and was immediately filled with peace and comfort and hope. And a little while later, to confirm that Jesus has authority over death and the grave and to give us a preview of Easter, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And still dressed in his grave cloths, Lazarus, who was dead, stone cold dead, was now alive. My friends, the words of Jesus are power. The words of Jesus are life. The words of Jesus are hope. Many of you, many of us, are tempted to lose hope when faced with the reality of this day. Our God is a God of hope who gives us a sure and certain foundation in Jesus. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope 
and a future. I don't know what those plans are for you. I don't know the details, but I do know one thing. God's plan for you is always to hear that word of hope and to rejoice in how he gives gifts. My friends, stay connected to God's word. Stay connected to God's hope. God says it. That settles it. We believe it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May God grant it to you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God which far surpasses all understanding. Keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our tears, our hope in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.